I'm Dr. Michael Lynch, co-host of ConspiracyAgents.com, and you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Ready to conceive solutions to problems in an atmosphere free of political correctness? Find a new sense of purpose at wadesense.com. That's wadesense.com. Welcome to the show. This is Wade B. Olson, the Sage of St. Louis. I am the host of Wade Sense. Across from me sits Mr. Mike Wilkerson, the wizard of St. Louis County, because um, <laughs> for me, anything more complicated than a toaster oven is uh, beyond me. So Mike's got the technical end. All I, can say, all I can say is toast is tasty. <laughs> toast, is, toast is tasty? Now that is your professional opinion, correct? My professional toasty opinion, correct. Your yes. professional toasty opinion. Okay, mm-hmm. well, hopefully that means you're not toasted in your toasty opinion. <laughs> I am definitely not toasted, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What I want to talk about on this episode is something that I think we've all noticed. You cannot help but drive around this country in, in any major medium-sized city mm-hmm. and not see the homeless problem in our country. Agreed. And I've been thinking about this for quite some time on what a good situation would be. I, I, I want to just venture off a little bit on the Go front ahead. end here. Diagnose witnessing homelessness to people. There are going to be a lot of people that, that are inside of urban areas that mm-hmm. see this. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go, well, yeah, homeless people, duh. Right. But then there's going to be a lot of other people that, for example, for us, from, say, the county, that when they think homeless, what they're thinking of is maybe a commercial they've seen on TV. Or perhaps the guy that's at the, the corner of whatever highway and whatever waiting for people to stop at a stoplight and then right. has the cardboard sign. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's homeless. When in many cases, he's not. It's someone that's panhandling but has a home and traditionally a car and right. just has no job or chooses to not be employed because they can make their money that way. Right. So d- describe what you're talking about. Obviously, we can all wrap our mind around the fact of what homelessness actually means, but more importantly, how you witness it. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't just see somebody's body laying on a street that maybe is on some cardboard or something, what does homelessness actually mean? There's more than just a description. Everybody's got the picture. You say the word homelessness right. or homeless people. Everybody in the few seconds that I waited and paused there, they've now conjured this picture yeah, in the side of their head with a thought bubble. Most likely it's probably the guy that is on the side of the street corner. Or if you're like myself and you're driving around at night, it's not hard to see. There's a number of places that I can think of in our city mm-hmm. where you'll see people laying out on cardboard boxes. Yeah. Maybe they've got blankets. Maybe they don't. Yeah. That's that's what I'm thinking of. Well, and that's what I'm talking about is the, the connotation of homeless has many different connotations. I never thought there was anything more than just the obvious one. No. Here's the sample. Just like there are functional alcoholics and functional addicts, Mm -hmm. I think that there are functional homeless people as well. And what you can describe that is, is let's say a mother mother of three. Yeah. And the kids have a bedroom. Right. That is the backseat of a jalopy. Okay. And she drives that to and from work. Right. The kids are old enough now that the eldest kid can take care of the other two kids mm-hmm. during the day where they're walking around a city or perhaps even a suburb mm-hmm. while mom is out scraping together whatever jobness she can or wh- whatever right, the situation exactly. is. Yeah. But that is functional homelessness. The, okay. the, the sample of when you, when you go, I need a place to live. 
that also conjures up a listing of to-do items that many people, I think, take totally for granted. Because, what? well, if you pick a place to live, you over your 50 plus years now, mm-hmm. understand that if you're going to take everything that you have and the people in your life mm-hmm. and move from one place to another place, mm-hmm. you kind of have a to-do list of what that actually means. Right. Whether that means that you had to move out the last time because you were forced to or you just didn't have the money or whatever that situation is. Right. You've got that put into a context and you got it. Mm-hmm. There are still people that don't get that, whether it's just absolute ignorance, like they they lived with mommy and daddy for so long, or perhaps they live there because they've got some capacity right. deficit that's yeah. not working to help them understand what living on their own means. Right. Or anything in between. Right. But somewhere there is a listing of things that you would have to do to go and find yourself a place to live. Right. Like, do you have a job? Mm -hmm. There are places you can go and they'll go, do you have a job? No. Do you have a government check? Yes. Okay, let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. There are places you can do that. Right. But not a whole bunch of them anymore. Right. Because many of the places that will do that are either under so much government red tape currently, yeah. it's not applicable to try and have that as a, an announced place to go and live. Right. In St. Louis, you'll know that, that you'll know that there are many hotels where you can go and live yeah. in the hotel, and it right. costs you X per week or whatever the yeah. whatever the numbers are. I don't even know what they are. Right. But they're there, right. and they know that because the regular government cheese is there. Mm-hmm. They know that there will then be a payment, and then they've got to kind of roll the bones on whether or not the person that's got the government cheese is also going to come with a whole bunch of baggage like alcoholism or domestic abuse or whatever else is also inside of that weird little envelope they they choose to include in their hotel. Yeah. But all of those things are a piece of what I know people are not thinking about when they think about homelessness. A lot of people are going to think of uh, the beginning of Terminator. Remember Terminator? Mm -hmm. 1984, James Cameron? Yeah. Okay, at the beginning of that, Kyle Reese, the hero in the movie, yeah. he goes and he steals a homeless dude's pants. Right. He took my pants! That whole scene. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a homeless dude. Yeah. That is a homeless dude sleeping in a pile of garbage to use insulation to keep warm. Yeah. Yeah. With a couple of bags and, and you know, just heinous smell blah. That's all there. When you say homeless, that's what a lot of people think of homeless as. Where I would tell you... of people would never think of the mom with three kids living literally in a car. I have to admit, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was was thinking on the street. I was thinking Mm -hmm. bare bones homeless. Yeah, yeah. And there are uh, those. Dude, I know it's not rare anymore. It, it, it's no, it's super. Not. It, well, this is where I was going. Is it's not super rare at all. But we actually had a neighborhood of homeless people mm-hmm. that was moved out of an area inside of St. Louis. I think it was a couple of years ago now. You're talking the, about when Larry Rice shut down? That's one more reason than a couple of years, I think. No, it was even before then. There was a, there oh. was an area down at, uh, well, and you're a cab driver, uh, yeah. uh, Grand and 40-ish. And right in that area off of, you know, when you get off a of Grand yeah. going uh, 40 East, yeah. get off at of Grand, yeah. or not Grand Market, the market exit. Yeah, okay. So you get off of the uh, market exit, and right. as you turn to go left oh, back on the market, area you're talking about. over yeah. in that area on the right-hand side, yeah. dude, it used to just be shantytown of tents and 
I, I think it actually had a, a name like Hobo Town. That's so funny that I don't remember that. Name. Yeah, it's, it's well, driving forever. The the more ironic piece was when the city said, oh, "Sorry, you got to move," wow. and offered nothing. And I'm not looking for the city to go and build another homeless area for them to stake. No, and that's the idea behind on. what it is that I'm going to propose: is that there's yeah. no need to build anything. There's there's a need to fix and to repair. Mm-hmm. My idea is that there is in our city in particular, and I'm sure that there are other cities as well. I think that they I saw listing once about a year or two ago of over a thousand buildings and houses that are abandoned, just boarded up. Mm-hmm. And I just I got to thinking it's just it's a crying shame that you've got structures that are basically still solid. Maybe they've even been gutted, but they're still solid. People can get out from uh, out of the elements at least. And they're not being used. They're just being boarded up. They're just being bandaged over. Well, and, and I just I started. When you say solid, though, tell me what you think that means, and I'll give you some more devil's advocate there. That the walls are still standing. That it's there's still a roof over it, and maybe that's just it. Maybe it's been gutted. Maybe uh, everything that was worthwhile and has been torn out. The copper piping, um, uh, any and all decent woodwork. I mean, all it's been shelled, but mm-hmm. it's still a place out of the wind. Okay, I don't know what the what. What conditions are of what buildings where, but uh, I drive around enough and I see enough structures. It's like we can get you can just get all of these people off the ground. And the first thing that I'm thinking of, the first group that I was thinking of, are our nation's vets. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. My idea is this: the first thing that you do is you go and you do a survey as best you can mm-hmm. of the homeless in whatever city that you're doing. Sure. Um, Do you want me to jump in on each point as you give them or go back? No, you can jump in. That's fine. Okay. So I, I how, how do you think that survey is going to be done? Probably, where, I would where imagine. Do, this, is a good, this is a good question. Where do the homeless people go during the day? Go during the day? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't sit there all day. I, if there's any kind. Well, I know in St. Louis they go to a place called St. Patrick's. What that entails in there, I have no idea. I just know that they probably have like. Is uh, that a church cafeteria. or is it just an area? It's uh, an area. It's it's uh, it's down on Tucker. It's a building right next to the old uh, Globe Democrat. I don't know really much more than that. Okay. But I just know that that I know that they help the homeless. I know that they. I think they've got like. What do um, they do there? I don't know anything about it. Help them find jobs. Just basically help them get back on their feet or a place to stay. You know, it's it's it, it doesn't sound to me like it's so much warehousing the homeless. As it is helping them get back on their feet. Interesting. I, don't, I would be. I don't know. Yeah, I would be super curious to see what kind of analytics there are for homeless people. Here's the sample. What do you mean, so, like criteria? Well, no. So I'm I'm Joe Hobo. Yeah. Okay. I'm Joe Hobo. I'm sleeping on the street. I've uh-huh. got my kick-ass giant refrigerator cardboard box that has been with me for the last three and a half months. Okay. It's reasonably excellent. I found a series of restaurants. I know when they traditionally throw out their garbage. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I've got two friends at two other restaurants that are actually giving me stuff on command, essentially. I kind of walk outside the window, and they see me, and so I you know, I, I go over there, and I, I get my meals, and they're pretty good meals, actually. Okay. One's a barbecue place. Oh, wow. All right, so... There, there's my existence of trudging through. You know, I might, uh, I might stop and watch people at the bus station. Mm-hmm. I might, uh, you know, walk around, work on my cardio a little bit. Right. And okay. then I go and I find my traditional one of three different places to sleep. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you this: Is Joe Hobo, if you had the chance to get back on your feet and possibly even own your own home at the end of a process, was it something that would interest you, or you just as soon stay on the street? I think. Strangely, you'd find the answer yes. I want to stay with my normalcy slash routine because it's your comfort. Because even though it's possibly 
borderline dangerous, you would rather do that because it's what you know. Not only is it what I know, I can work with what I've got okay. and what's dished to me faster than I can try and grab a skill set and succeed on my own. I really do think that that's out there. Okay. That's actually based on a lot of what I see inside of the deaf and hard of hearing community, uh. where able-bodied people, with the exception that they can't hear, mm. are literally skewering themselves throughout their lives by taking government cheese mm-hmm. and then making sure that when they do work... They work underneath a series of hours and or money intake to make sure that they still get to make that sure cheese. that they're underneath the cap, right? Yeah, that is. The, it's and, like, how do you end that program? Well, I don't know, and I'm, that's probably meat for another show. Yeah, but the the, the gist is this: uh, the analytics is what we're focusing on here. Mm-hmm. No matter if it's St. Patrick's or somewhere else, right. Joe Hobo, Joe Hobo won. Yeah, okay. Because we got to give him a designation. Okay. Joe Hobo won. There has to be a way to track not only what he does. What are the propensities of us spending time on Joe Hobo One to actually find or maybe get success? Because as much as we hate to say it, Joe Hobo One might not be high on the listing of potential successes. If there's someone that we know is going to fail, or worse yet, and I, I hate it when we have to jump to this, but let's say he's 61 years old. Okay. Okay. What exactly are you going to offer to Joe Hobo One? who's been on the streets for the last 15 years, that's going to somehow, quote, clean him up and change his life so that he can go and do something different for the next six or seven years he might have? Well, it's like every other person. It's like if they're not wanting to help themselves, then it's absolutely pointless to try and help themselves. That's the first and foremost is that you've got to find people that uh, haven't given up. You know, they, right. they they haven't given up to themselves. They haven't given right. up. So let, let's fast forward. So now Joe okay. and Jane Hobo, one through 80, are right. inside of St. Patrick's. St. Patrick's, right? St. Patrick's Center, yeah. Okay. okay, so they're inside of St. Patrick's during a given week. And yeah. I know that there's more than 80. There's no way that there's only 80. Right, but that's the number you arrived at. Right, so yeah. we grab 80 as a number. Okay. They're, we're going to say that they're all ages because obviously there's going to be some families in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so knowing, again, what the ages are, do we take the mom that's living in her car with the with the three kids? Do we take her in first because obviously there's some more need there? At least in my opinion. You're going to have to have what basically amounts to triage. You're going to have to have a list of people that need it worst, that want it most, that are the most qualified. Right. Because in my idea, you do the survey of the people, however you do it, Mm -hmm. and you find out That's That's a big caveat, though. However you do do it. it? No, no, however you do it. Because as much as I'm, I'm telling you, dude, as much as you think sitting someone down in front of a ten, no, I'm little. In, I'm in picturing some guy questions. walking around. I'm picturing some guys walking around with clipboards, walking up, finding homeless people, either in the center or on the street at night, wherever you may find homeless people in your city, in your town, and walking up and asking them a series of questions mm-hmm. as best as possible. Okay, trying to figure out where and how people are and what you know what their skill sets are, because mm-hmm. there are people that are on the street. First and foremost, that are veterans. I want them taken care of. I'm absolutely. It, it is the, the worst crying shame in this country that people that gave their all are now on the street, mm-hmm. and there are people that are coming in that are illegal that are getting every single benefit thrown at them. It's absolutely abhorrent. I, okay. I, I cannot stand that. So vets come first. Okay. Um, when you do that, you talk to these people and find out what skill sets they have. Maybe so, there's some so, people- so Army Ranger Joe gets triage before Jane and the three kids. Okay, now that's tough because you've got kids that are involved now. Uh, so. I am the man of asking tough questions inside of the devil's advocate role for your program. Yeah, and well, so that, that's what I'm are. saying. You certainly are. <laughs> it, it, the, uh, the, the, the gist here is not to frustrate you or the audience. The gist is that, unfortunately, no, 
when the, when the solution is presented, these are the things that are going to come up. The biggest one, if we take only these 80 people who have a history and or can be found within three city blocks of St. Patrick's during insert number of days. Uh-huh. These are the people that are all going to go, wait a second, I'm homeless. What, she's better than me? Mm. No matter who they are, that all is going to be a sentence that is said at some point. And then, then what you do is you tell the people, this is the criteria. This is our list of importance. And you've got veterans. You've got mothers with children. You've got, you know, da-da-da-da-da. However it happens to break down. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. They're not directing how this program works. They're mm-hmm. either going to be able to do it, qualified to do it, or they're not. You know, we're not forcing this on anybody. Okay. But the idea is is it's getting the homeless people off the street and taking advantage of existing structures. Okay, so now, some, there are so, going to be there are going to be holes and I'm glad that you're poking holes in this because in my mind, whatever it is, it doesn't matter whether it's this, whether it's a business concept, mm-hmm. the, the coolest part is coming up with a concept, trying to fill it in as best as possible, and then finding someone else to poke holes in yep. it and figure out what you missed. Okay. So, so I value what you're doing. Cool. So we've got let's call it rudimentary information on eighty people. Okay. Okay. All right. Eighty people that we found within two point three miles of St. Patrick's during a period of six weeks. Okay. Cool. Okay. Okay. Good enough. So we have their names. We have essentially if there are children living and or with them, along with them, something impacted by children. Mm -hmm. Somehow those children's relationships are actually verified. Mm -hmm. Again, that's a big giant, okay, we've already done that check mark that I'm trying to imagine the... You're trying to verify that the people, is their kids is what you're trying to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Here, okay. Here's the sample. I guarantee you, without question, we're mm-hmm. going to find a grandma mm-hmm. that has taken care of two kids. And oh, yeah. Maybe that goes without own. saying. There's no, it doesn't matter how we're going to try and color this. I see that constantly oh, on yeah. the street. Yeah. We've got the data. We now have the data in hand, and we're going to create this program that consists of a series of criteria and requirements that are, wait. That are. Was that a piece of your plan, or were you just going to? Fast forward past all the important pieces, parts, and, and say, and now it's in place, and now nobody is homeless. Thank God for Wade Sense. No, wait, go. Wind okay. back, wind back a second. <laughs> yeah, what, okay. what was it? What was it you were saying? Now, the criteria of the people. With the criteria of the program of the Wade Sense Solve Homeless Program. Okay. Criteria of it is is you have the the, the, the list of people. You have. The we'll list we'll of- call it the Wisp Program. The WISP program? Yeah. Wade Sense Homeless Solution Program. The WISP program. Nicely Look at that. done, Look at Mr. That. Wilkerson. Look at Very that. good. I thought I was good at that, but you, uh, you keep me running here on this right, one. So the WISP okay, program. So you have the list of people. Mm-hmm. You have the list of properties. Then properties. You... Oh, the, oh, the, the uh, properties that you think are sound. Yeah, right. Okay, so there's another piece that we got to break down because, uh, and I meant to, I meant to interrupt you again uh-huh. when you were talking about properties because right. here's the thing you got to remember. Uh-huh. There's a reason those buildings are boarded up, not just that they're owned by stodgy, greedy sons of bitches. No, no, not landlords. at all. It's that they are not safe, regardless of how you and I see things. That look, there's boards on the windows, but my God, thirty people could live on a floor there. So that's part of a waiver then. At, at that point, <laughs> they're still out of the elements. Okay. This is the Midwest. Winters here can be absolutely brutal. Hell, the weather sucks here half the time. Yeah. It's either dangerous or just unpleasant. Yeah. I, I just, I, again, we kind of get back to, okay, so let's take um, I, the houses that you're you're referring to. Are, uh, let's make sure we're all on the same page there, too. 
I can't give you an address because I don't know the addresses when I pass them. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're essentially two level, perhaps duplexes. Some are duplexes. Some are just there's an upper homes. and a there's lower. Also some, there's also some eight and ten family flats that I can think of that have been abandoned as well in different parts of town. Okay. So the, the bottom line where I'm going is that. And there's well, something else that I thought of as yeah. well. And I just thought yeah. of that when I was putting this together is that part of the program would be to alert the neighborhood in the area, the neighbors in the area, and say, look, this is what we're proposing for these particular buildings. Mm-hmm. Do you know of somebody who might possibly qualify for this as well? So that people that live in these existing neighborhoods, what's left of them can pick their neighbors okay right what about the nimbies the not in my backyards right well they're out of luck don't like to leave okay so let me get this straight because there's criteria here's the thing there's criteria on these people that are coming in for one thing these aren't going to be allowed to be turned into crack houses because the people that are coming in are going to understand that a this isn't your property yet B, this property will be inspected on a regular basis. C, if you do anything, any kind of damage to this property outside of normal wear and tear, and I think we can all figure out what normal wear and tear is, you're being booted out forthwith. You will not be brought back into the program again. Also, if there's any illegal activities, you will be booted out and not be able to brought back in again. These, at, at that point, these properties will be inspected on a, on a regular random basis. You know, until you get to the point where basically you're proving that I'm trying to do this right, I'm trying to fly right. All these people, also these people, will all be uh, drug and background checked, and also they will all be constructed in conceal and carry as well. Do the sexual predator people get tossed out? Damn straight, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not willing to fly right, if you're not willing to put skin in the game, you're not going to be a part of the program. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. and the neighbors are going to understand that as well. That this isn't this isn't some government program to make sure that you got a crack house springing up on your na- on your block. Mm-hmm. These will be inspected on a regular basis, and if the people aren't flying right, they're out, and we'll bring somebody else in. Okay, the people are also constructed in conceal and carry, if need be, armed, so that anybody who's thinking in these neighborhoods, oh, I'm just going to go in here and break in and steal all this stuff from these people. No, you're going to know right off the hand that these people are armed and are trained. Okay. So there's that. But like I said, the first thing you do is you Wait, go... Wait, re- rewind. Who are you going to arm again? I, I, I missed the piece. Who are you going to arm? Who are you going to arm? The people that are coming into these houses. The, oh, the, oh homeless, the inspectors. The are, no, the homeless that are coming into the houses. So the homeless that are coming into the houses, you're going to arm and train them to be CCW carriers. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Because that way they're not victims. They're not setting themselves up as victims. Interesting. And like I said, the first people that I'm going to make sure that, that have access to this are veterans. Okay. Now, so far, poke holes in what I just said. Well, I unfortunately can poke many only because the opening up the game to conceal and carry, I, I will not paint with a wide paintbrush in that all homeless people should not be carrying weapons. Mm. But I know that just like any number of population, there are people that I believe and can be looked at with good, solid, state, fact-based information Mm -hmm. that they should not be carrying, in particular, conceal and carry. Mm -hmm. The sample is, you know, anybody that thinks that you should be shooting someone in the back because they're stealing your television. I knew that was coming up. I knew you were going to bring that We won't go on to that one. No, not at all. Uh, The the, the sample, though, is that the, the foundational common sense that is required to carry and then man and then use a weapon, Mm -hmm. I think is not within the capacities of people that can't figure out how to get on their feet because they're homeless. So then it's checked out on a case-by-case basis, but people who are qualified, Uh, people people that that have the capacity. I I thought you were going to drift towards where the inspectors 
who are coming at random times are armed so that if there is trouble then... Well, yeah, that makes and sense. And then maybe a reporting procedure so that when there is... I like that. Uh, Add you, that to it. You yeah. have to expect that there is crime. In fact, maybe there could now be a police force that is made up for the WISP program that is made up of previous veterans. Like can, that idea. Like okay. that idea. Recycling right. resources once again. All right. So then we, we've, we've checked off a couple of boxes where I was poking holes. Okay. Uh, okay. So continue again. Uh, okay, so... You set up the people, you put them in place. We're not going to arm all of them. It's not reasonable. But why? Why is it not reasonable to arm every person inside of the program? Why no. can't we just give... Why, why can't I walk down the street with a bucket of guns and hand them out to everybody that's here? Okay, so whoever is the, the, whoever's got the name well, on the l- lease... Let me this. get this straight. If I go spend six months homeless, you're going to give me a gun? No. I, you, you, can't, you can't work it like okay, that. Okay, here's way. the question I have for you then, Mike. How is it that we keep these people from being victims? Because the houses that we're talking about are in a lot of very bad, dangerous neighborhoods. I okay. can take you around them and you won't want to go back to them. Okay. Trust me. How do we keep these people coming into these homes from now being, it's like the burglar on the str- on the block is like, oh, wow, there's a brand new house to break into. Well, I'll, I'll you know. tell you what, this is, it's kind of the flip test. Let's, let's flip this for a minute. You go, okay, here is the homeless people house, the wisp house. Right, that are trying to get back on their feet, that are trying the, to the, fly hold right on. again. The, these three wisp houses are in a neighborhood that is crime ridden and people wouldn't want to go back. So saith Wade. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's forget about the part where it's wisp houses. Let's just say, okay, we want to, I, Mike Wilkerson, want to move into a neighborhood. I want to move into that house Mm -hmm. where there's nobody, but I love the way that the building is set up. Mm -hmm. The place is crime ridden. So how would we do that? Because it's the same concept. If I want to be law-abiding Mike Wilkerson that wants to live in an area that's full of crime and you'd never want to return there, so saith Wade. Mm. How do we, how do we change that? By fixing the neighborhoods. And you fix the neighborhoods by putting people that want to do right back in the houses. Right. Just realize that every time you expand the bubble, another giant heap of things that must happen happens. So the sample is if you want to You're talking about the number of people that are coming to the program or what? No, I'm talking about the number of things that become need to check off item boxes. Okay. So here's Well, like I said when we started talking about this. Hold on. Here's the sample. How do you make a neighborhood better? Ready? Go. How do you make a neighborhood better? You uh, make and sure I am talking about the crime ridden. You never want to go back to it. So Seth Wade neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you make sure one that there's like a block organization where people are watching out for each other, making sure that nobody just breaks into a house just because it looks abandoned. Okay. So, so, got, why so you have the, the block. Why do those in neighborhood it? watch programs not work in crime ridden areas? Why is it not? Yeah. <sighs> See, I, don't, I know I don't know the answer, so I don't think you know the answer. And so there'd have to be some research done on that also. Okay, all right. So the research done, creating a program to implement, implementing the program, having a test grade, yeah, having some test people that then come into the program, exactly. having the test time for them. Exactly. Implementing the solution, and then we go. That, anything that, that, anything that, whatsoever is going to be a process right, but what I'm talking of learning. About, and, right, but what I'm talking about, what I've just described there is probably yeah. a three- or four-year process. Okay. So are you ready to jump in and for three or four years make this neighborhood anew? I know you and I are. Right. If 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 I had my druthers, I would try and take a program like that and the WISP program. Uh-huh. And I'd throw it onto every single place inside of St. Louis that wasn't a place where the structures were viable. Right. Because there are some. There I, are you, some that you cannot. They're, they're beyond. They're hopeless, yeah. The, Half the, the house is falling down. That's not safe. Well, right. And I'd say I think I think some of the houses that are not falling down are also not inhabitable. There, there's a reason that houses get boarded up, and it's not just because nobody lives there or there's been a fire and nobody wants to repair it or the landlord's dead but their family owns the stuff and they don't want to do anything right. anymore. The, the, the answer would be like, 
because there's so many bugs or it is impossible to kill the bugs in this building and not the entire block because they will return or there's there's a whole mechanism of different things like that that I don't even know. No, and I don't either because I'm not in I'm not in building inspection like I right. said it's it's bare minimum standards and you have the people sign a waiver as well like you understand this is not a brand new structure that you're moving into. No, it's no, see old, it, it would be. Issues. No, there, there's never a time where we would take what is a reasonably old crapo structure and make it kind of inhabitable. When it, when we're all done, they would have to look like apartments. You it, it, it there's no way Wait, there's no way they would go into what used to be a crack house three and a half weeks ago, and it looks kind of the same, and then you move people in with the WISP program. There is no way that that would fly. They would never move people into a structure that didn't have something affixed and or new, probably because of fire codes. Yeah. So the other thing you get into is, you know, when you go into a hospital room, Mm -hmm. imagine a hospital room that holds two people. Right. Okay, now remove the two people. Remove all of the equipment. Mm-hmm. How many people could you fit in that room and, and be reasonably not stupid? And reasonably not stupid, yeah. average room. You could probably fit in eight. Okay. So eight with a sleeping bag or something? Is that what you're thinking? Sleeping mattress, whatever, yeah. Okay, because what, what will happen? They're not on top of each other, but, right, it's, but it's, what, it's crowded. What will happen, though, is you'll have a government organization that I'm certain exists mm-hmm. that will pop open their own tent and say, okay, so this is the WISP program. Got it. Okay, Every single living space, regardless of age, regardless of type, must have insert space of square feet for each individual inside of every single every single program that's picked. Okay. That's going to allow the numbers and types of houses to be whittled down to what you need so that instead of any house, it would have to be a type of house with X amount of square feet that is not in a condition that can't be gone in essentially raised inside mm-hmm. and then brought up to spec of some kind. Okay. And I, I used hospital room intentionally because it would have to be that it would have to be where they brought it back up to spec. Okay. Whether you've got vets or whomever building right. the thing, right. it, it doesn't make any difference. Right. They would never just take a structure that is a 113 year old house right. and go, okay, have at it. Right. They would never do that. The doors, in particular the doors, Mm -hmm. doors with those older homes, you and I both know that those would never pass spec. No, no. So one of the things that, one of the other parts of the equation, obviously, and and everybody that becomes a part of the program that, that helps out, there's... There's some kind of goodie in it. There mm-hmm. either there's 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 uh, um, everybody that's part of the program gets some kind of incentive, whether it's a tax rebate or something like that. Uh, reach out to a lot of uh, faith-based organizations. You, you recycle as much stuff as possible. You go to restore places like that. Any place where you can get something where someone's going to help out. Like I said, you're reaching out to faith-based organizations. They're probably going to be the ones that are most inclined to do it to begin with. Uh, or the organizations, contractors, plumbers, electricians. Sure. Sure. And, and everybody okay, everybody gets um, the ones that are, are, are getting like, like – they'll get like a bare minimum uh, payment from the government to help out with these programs. Because mm-hmm. everybody ends up being benefited by getting the homeless off the streets and getting these neighborhoods – where they start to come back to life, the, the people back in the houses. So, and by the way, people, Mike and I obviously don't know everything. So, if you have, oh, any I, idea, do. <laughs> I do, I do. I, I just don't you, let you all know that. I call you wizard in passing. You're not the <laughs> wizard. Seriously, if if you have any suggestions for what we're talking about, and you think that uh, you can poke more holes or add more suggestions, taxi. <laughs> <laughs> 
feel free to go right. to wadesense.com. Let us know what you're thinking. We would yeah. love to hear from you. In fact, I, I, we actively want you to poke holes in anything that we see. Yeah, absolutely. Not, not just because anything we love feedback. Anything and everything. But because the, you poking the holes now allows us to address it before it's ever taken to a, a governmental program to, to help people better everything around them. Absolutely. The, that, that whole thing of rising tide raises all ships. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's true. It, it yeah. really is true. It, it just makes sense. Uh, the, the difference here is that we have a variety of a different amount of ships that all have to be raised differently, and, mm-hmm. it, it, but you've got to make the water rise first. But this show is, this show is about solutions to problems. Right. And Wade's sense is about finding solutions to problems. Even though the solution may be uglier than the problem, you still have to have the courage to face that. And this particular issue that we're dealing with right now is solving the homeless problem. Some of these, some of these solutions are going to be uglier than the problem. But in the end, everybody is doing better because of it. So there are the contractors and the electricians and everybody else that comes in to you are reusing supplies, old bricks, whatever it, mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's coming back into the program. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, you're right. It's gonna, this is going to take uh, a few-year process to get it going. And it's not going to get everybody, which is why – and I probably won't do this for a lot of the topics that we handle on our show – But I specifically put how to start to fix the homeless problem, how to start. This isn't going to fix the problem entirely. There are still going to be people that are left out there. But the people that want to get off the street, the people that want to better themselves, the neighborhoods that want to be a part of bringing their neighborhood back to life. It's like I say, you can either make excuses or you can have solutions. You can't do both. If you live in a hellhole of a neighborhood and somebody comes to you and says, we have some solutions – and you don't take part in it, you're still living in a hellhole of a neighborhood after we walk out of there. That was your excuse. So we have the list of the people. We have The list of the properties. You're right. This isn't just evil landlords that are just boarding up the buildings and walk away. Mm-hmm. There's probably a number of situations. It's going to be solved on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, those people are trying to sell the house and can't. Wh- whatever their situation is, as best as possible, as revenue-neutral as possible, we try and have the government and the community help yeah. the situation. Well, and I think some, some devil's advocate po- hole-poking here is recently inside of St. Louis area, we mm-hmm. had a place called Hidden Valley come mm-hmm. up for a variety of different things. Hidden Valley is Seven's essentially County, right? a, I'm not entirely sure. I've only driven by it, and I just don't remember where it is anymore. Okay. Anyway, it's a place called Hidden Valley. It's a, essentially a mini ski lodge in the middle, yes, uh, middle of the this. country. Yeah, I heard about it's this. A, it's a completely different awesome style model because frankly there just aren't a whole lot of them yeah there aren't a whole lot of skiing options anywhere in the midwest where you can go and there be a period of time gotta find hills <laughs> not, not only gotta find hills but you gotta make the snow yeah in yeah. fact hidden valley was known for making their snow okay it is one of their giant models the problem is that especially as of late for reasons that can be determined by anybody listening to this program uh-huh. without us shoving it down their throat the weather has been strangely warm Mm. over the last probably decade yeah and what that means for a facility that needs to conjure snow is that it costs more to conjure snow because hey it's 70 degrees outside exactly okay so when you do that what instantly happens is you knock down revenue for people that want to ski mostly because hey who doesn't want to ski on snow Mm -hmm. okay not so strangely revenue goes down the interest inside of the facility goes down so what they tried to do and th- this is all incredibly nutshelling. There, there's way more involved in what's going on here. What they wanted, yeah, to I'm do, dying to know where you're going with this. Yeah, <laughs> what what they wanted to do was they wanted to make a series of zip line paths on the facility because okay. it doesn't get any more better gravity wise than 
I don't know, a big ass hill. <laughs> and they're absolutely right. It would yeah. be a way to go at least seven months out of the year where you could have zip line. And yeah. then when it got cool enough, you'd then take people off the zip lines and then you would just continue on with your regular snow based revenue intake. Blah. That's awesome. They proposed it recently and all of the people not in my backyard said, no, we're not interested. And the study stated there, there would be between 10 and 30 extra cars that would be inside of space at any given time. Mm-hmm. And it was still a not-in-my-backyard moment for most of the people there. And so it's in limbo, i.e., hold on, i.e., now swinging towards there will be no more Hidden Valley. Mm. So what happens in the case of this not-in-my-backyard, which, by the way, I should have explained that when I first said the word NIMBY. Gotcha. Nim- no, I knew what NIMBY was. So that's what happened with all of those people, those NIMBYs. Mm-hmm. Not only have they now essentially excised Hidden Valley, one of the very few centrally United States located places to ski. That entire lodge, that entire business, that entire family legacy is now out the window because they didn't want to have anything to do with creating more revenue collecting potential for that business based on not in my backyard. So the reason I'm bringing this one up is because that one's reasonably esoteric and all of it's positive. Right. I defy anybody that lives in one of those houses that is already inside of Hidden Valley Mm -hmm. to say, wait a second, seven months of the year, I'm going to have between 10 and 30 cars come by my house? Oh, no, we're not doing that. What the hell are you talking about? That that blows my mind. Yeah. People are selfish. People are selfish. I don't get it. Well, that's where I'm going is that if it's that selfish for something that esoteric, can you imagine the dude that owns a house that is right next to, let's say, a cadre of three wisp houses. Mm-hmm. That's insanity. Because if you if you thought that the Hidden Valley zipline protesters were up right. there and at arms, right. you got to be kidding me. Wait a second. Let me get this straight. You're going to move 20 people who used to be homeless yesterday into that house right there next to mine? Can you even imagine what that would look like inside of a You Paid For It by Elliot Ness or whatever the guy's <laughs> name is here in town? Met him once. Um, he, he's a great dude, and yeah. I don't I don't lean anywhere in the in the area po- the politics he does. Mm-hmm. But I love that he raises the questions that he raises. Yeah, that I do really admire about him. But but the, the bottom line though is that I think that would actually be a larger castle wall to scale hmm. than even addressing the homelessness, because you'd have to find places that will will not only work but not have that incredibly negative impact. I can use my own my own home as a, a sample in two different ways. Mm-hmm. The first way is that we had a Section 8 housing apartment development go mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And I didn't realize it until every single month. I can count four or five times a month where I see somebody's entire home belongings out on a hill. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've been evicted because they didn't pay their they didn't pay their rent. Right. Or they didn't pay the rent over a series of months, whatever the criteria mm-hmm. right. is. That's one side of the swing. So does that make my property less valuable because that place is now closer to the front of my area? Okay, well, let's go the other way. I have the Justice Center that is a minute and eight seconds from my house. Mm -hmm. The O'Fallon Justice Center is the new mega police station slash jail. Okay. Okay. So you say the first part, you go, oh, police station. Yay, the crowd goes wild. Everybody smiles. Whoa, more men in blue. I'm buying them donuts. Kick ass. It's going to be so safe. Yeah. And then you say the second part, jail. And it all goes in the toilet. Wait a minute. There's going to be a jail near my house? So how do you win? How do, how do you... 
I don't know, but isn't that part of eminent domain in that case? Wouldn't that wouldn't that case the the, the state would have? Uh, it's like, sorry, people, this is eminent domain. We need to have this put here, and you're just gonna have to deal with it. Right, and I don't I don't even not disagree with you. Yeah. But the the problem is that that guy that owns the house where his house is worth I insert we'll just insert a dollar amount so one hundred seventy thousand dollars. Yeah. One day it's worth one hundred seventy thousand dollars. The day after a Wisp series of homes is open next door, mm-hmm. you cannot possibly tell me that that house is worth the same. There is no way. No, there is no it, way. No, you're honest. In this in this scenario, since there's no place to go but up the the neighborhoods that I'm talking about, that might elevate the value of that house. Like if the whole neighborhood has the capacity of coming back from being the 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 shell that it was, right? Wouldn't that essentially elevate that house? Yes. Because we're not I, talking. I, I, generally, I would agree. Here's, here's the thing. Here's Wait, the, Wade. What do you tell that guy? What does Wade sense, Master? This host is not what you tell, tell that, that guy. What you tell that guy is that this is not a program where you're going to have Section Eight housing living. These are people who've been strenuously background checked, and they're going to be bringing this house and essentially this neighborhood back to life. These people will be inspected and checked on a regular basis. This is not some program where you're going to end up with a ready-made crack house right next door. Okay. So that is our assurance of that. And if that is ever the case, that, that, that's if you a- ever and you tell these people, if you ever see anything that looks suspicious, please call this number immediately. We will be over there and inspect the house immediately. That is how you make people sure that people understand this isn't going to turn into a Section 8 block. Okay. These neighborhoods I, I, have no place to go but I, up. I agree with you, but I also know, and I sadly have neighbors that are that person. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll go, wait a second, is that a Hummer? What is that guy going to be parking that on the street all the time? Mm. Our cars can't get by that. Are you kidding me? I'm going to call the police. Man, that dog's been barking for almost five and a half minutes straight. I think I'll call the police. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, that guy's going to put that many Christmas lights on his house? That's not right. I'm calling the homeowners association. All those people live, dude. And you can't tell me that there's not going to be those people that instantly want to drive the WISP program into the toilet. I'm just telling you that they're going to be there. I don't I don't agree right. with them at all. There will be. There will be. Yeah. And, and in that case, then uh, they're going to be fighting an uphill battle because how do you go right. against see, something I, that helps vets? Well, the answer is that if uh, – Wade, look at it. Take yourself outside your body for a moment. And again, <laughs> I don't believe this because I do want to support vets. Okay. But I do also understand the guy that goes, look, my house is worth insert dollar amount today. Mm-hmm. The day after, if I go and ask the the city lord representatives, uh-huh, and I go, going. okay, right. how much is my house worth now? And they right. go, oh, well, let's see. Three weeks ago, it was blah. Today, it is blah minus insert percentile. Mm-hmm. How do you make that guy's that guy's house and process right? Is that where you shower him with some of your tax benefits, like you said? Possibly, I, I don't know. There's, okay, well, once again, what's get people? Just know please, that's got to get holes. that's got to get worked out. <laughs> well, and that's got to get worked out, though. Yeah. What what kind of benefit do you got? Because if I can get a tax benefit for getting the right kind of air conditioner, I better damn sure get some tax stuff for when the we're homeless people three and a half weeks ago, the entire house now moves in next door to me. Right. That's what that guy is thinking. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely what that guy's thinking. So this is going to be a program where government's going to be uh, telling people what WISP is all about mm-hmm. and how it is not going to end up being that program. And, and these are the assurances that it's going to be. Yeah. And it's a campaign that's put out there on a regular basis, a, a, a campaign of PSAs. Because really anymore, I'm convinced that's the only way that people learn anything anymore on a across-the-nation the basis are a, a campaign of PSAs. It really truly is. Interesting. Interesting.
Because think about it, we're not we're not we're, we're not the, the the nation anymore. We're not the people that can uh, all learn stuff from after school specials because that's when there was four networks and now there's like eight hundred channels. Sure. So the only way that people are seeing anything anymore across the board are uh, PSAs. I'll bet you could learn. I'll bet you could probably teach just about anything to the American people using a campaign of PSAs. Interesting. Yeah, folks, we've talked about and a lot here, but the bottom line is we want to know what you think. Oh yeah. Yeah, so please we call. need to, for sure. Okay. Go over to wadesense.com, click on the contact button on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the web form, and let us know what you think. Folks, when you've listened to this program, you've probably wondered what is it that qualifies me to do this program. And really what it is, is this program, the genesis of it, is for me for the last 18 years driving around talking to myself and to other people <laughs> about how to fix the problems that face us. It's really the closest that I've come to a hobby. In that time period, I have met and had roughly about 70,000 conversations. I have met people from all over the country, all walks of life, all over the planet. I have met the movers and shakers of the planet right down to the dirt street crazy poor. And with those ideas, we've now come forward for this program, for Wade Sense which is my belief that we can fix any problem. How many homeless people have you had in your cab? That I know for a fact over Does the years. Does that not come up in conversation? Hey, what's going on? Are you homeless? Or <laughs> Of course not. Why not? Because it's, well, it's I, not a polite I, conversation, obviously. Hey, are you homeless? You don't know they're homeless until you've put the pieces right, together. Right, but I'm, I'm saying that if someone was homeless, I think it would come up in conversation with you, but you're saying it doesn't. No? A few times. Okay. A few times people have been willing and i didn't drag it out of them that they they did tell me that okay but one time i didn't know that this person was homeless it was a middle-aged black lady that i picked up at the hospital Mm -hmm. and i brought her down to the riverfront and i just let her off and she just wandered away and she said this this is this is where i get off and she walked away to nothing i had no idea that she was homeless until that point Mm. well and you still don't know she was homeless no, at that point, she walked away to Maybe nothing. Maybe she just like, was some crazy nothing. white dude. It was the middle of the night. She walked away to nowhere. Crazy, bald, white dude with the goatee and got to know where I'm living. <laughs> Let me have right here, man. I don't need you to take me to my house. I mean, right? No, she was homeless. So yeah, yeah, You it, don't it, know it, that. That is an assumption. That is an assumption. That's pretty damn That is the same. No, no, no. That is the same assumption. That is an educated guess. That is the same assumption as everybody thinks when they pass the dude on the overpasses and go, hey, look, somebody begging for money, obviously homeless. It's the same thing. That is the same thing. Just because you don't see somebody walk into a house or walk up to a house, put a key in the door, and open it. Mike, where are you going with this? Uh, I'm saying that the, uh, this our entire program is to challenge assumption. Okay, uh, that's kind of one of the that's one of the grounding principles to challenge that, assumption. To so I hadn't thought of that, but it, yeah, I guess it, so. It absolutely, is fabric of your program, and it, it 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 just is. When when somebody says that dude is homeless, there's now a giant again. It's that weird thought bubble. Someone's already got the thought bubble of homeless, but now there is a series of things that pop up inside of their brain. Okay, ah, drug addict, or, oh, got pregnant young, or... Right, people stereotype. Oh, the same old... Stereotype is not evil, it's just lazy. Everybody does it. Uh, Everybody does it. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's also easy. The easiest way to try to compartmentalize something is to put a label on it. Absolutely, absolutely. Everybody does it. There's no way people don't do it. Right. And the vast majority of the time, this is even probably a great segue into our next segment, Uh 
but every time it's done, it's not because they're racist. It's because there is a series of assumptions being put into place uh-huh. that then put them into a category. Everybody categorizes. There's no way nobody doesn't do it all the time about whatever they're looking at. Okay. Everyone does it. I would love to hear from the person that goes, oh, I never categorize anybody when I meet them. Okay. That That is just, that. that's not true. No, no, because the, the, this the, is human the, nature and most people do the, it. The, the takeaway of first impressions, the reason why that you want the first impressions to be so high is because you don't want to have the bad first impression. Does it mean that you can't recover from the flat spin of a first impression? No, but it's always good to make a first impression that is good versus running in and having one that's on fire where nobody wants to be around you. It's true. Okay. Folks, we're going to go ahead. We will be right back. The next thing that we're going to be talking about is what it's all about, folks. Fighting against the, the poison of political correctness. Is this racist? We'll be right back on Wait Sense. The history of hostage and crisis negotiation is filled with action, danger, emotion, and perspective. Be sure to learn more about the history of hostage and crisis negotiation inside Crisis Cops, the evolution of hostage negotiations in America. Order it now at twoguystalking.com slash crisis cops. That's twoguystalking.com slash crisis cops. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug www.podcastbug.com The one question each podcaster should be asking themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? Mike Wilkerson from the Two Guys Talking Podcast here. I've podcasted and edited for over a decade, and I know what an hour and a half podcast turns into when you get in front of the editing stack. Let me tell you, it's not an hour and a half. It's closer to probably double that time. Are you ready to hand off the time you're wasting editing your own podcast? Looking for a cost-effective solution that doesn't break the bank, that gives you super experienced, quality podcasting back to you in a short period of time? Be sure to check out The Editor Core. Whether you're looking to have your podcast edited, or if you edit podcasts and are looking for some extra cash, Editor Core is your way to help every podcast soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. It doesn't always come fast, but it's always free. Join Officer Tommy Model and learn more about vital building blocks when it comes to security and law enforcement during the Free Field Training Podcast. FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com. That's FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. 
Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Welcome back, everybody, to Weight Sense. The next thing that we're going to talk about is an idea that I've had for a while. It terrifies me how political correctness has so permeated every level of this society to the point where people's lives are put at danger. And that's what this next exercise is all about, because I maintain that if you use common sense, 98% today, in the last 10 years anyway, of what passes for racism is nothing more than stereotyping, which as previously stated, isn't evil. It's just lazy. Everybody does that. I had an idea a couple years back of how just to point out how badly this has gotten if there was ever a, a PSA put out that the whole object was to save people of color from getting hit in the street and the PSA would literally be that if you are out on the street and you are a person of color you should take special care to either make sure that your clothes are marked or pay very close attention to the cars that are coming at you because it's a matter of science that White skin reflects light faster than black skin. And in this instance, I've got proof. I can't count the number of times as a professional driver at night, I have almost hit black people because they just they didn't show up as fast in the middle of the street. And there is a popular assumption that people feel that if I see that car coming at me, that they see me. And that is not the case. There's a number of distractions. There's all kinds of things that the driver is trying to pay attention to. And you're a small target, so it, it might be that we're, you're just you're not being paid attention to. My niece, who is black, and I said when I told her, I said, I said this sounds racist, doesn't she? Said, yeah, it does. And I said, but when you use common sense, it's really about protecting people, and that's science. That's not racism. She goes, yeah, you're right. It is about that. But this is where we've gotten in our society is that people are so paralyzed by political correctness. That I could, you could run this. You could not run this ad without the the station being protested, with people demanding that you know, people are hung because of that. And it's all about protecting people. And I can't. And, and it's not a matter of racism. It's a matter of science that this particular thing would be. It doesn't say anything about black people are inferior or anything as as ridiculous or unproven as that. It's about the simple fact that you can go out at night and hold up a black piece of paper. And you can hold up a white piece of paper. What do you see first? What the hell is the difference between paper and skin? It's nothing. It's what reflects off of the light. But because of this politically correct paralysis that our society has given into, people could actually die because of holding back this kind of information. Well, I'll tell you what. People do die because of this. Here's a sample. And I, first, I want to poke more holes. Like, I love poking holes in your skin. Go ahead. All right, the first one is people of color? Really? I'm I, not going to say African Americans because it's no, not just black people. No, but people. you can just say black people. Well, if, if I walk up to anybody mm -hmm. and I go, I love working with black people because insert reason why I like working with black people. Uh -huh. And the guy that comes up to me and says, hey, man, I'm not black. I'm African American. Guess who I'm not going to work with? That guy. Okay. And again, that's me but making. But will you tell him why you're not going to work with him? Because I would. Well, th th that's not my point. Where I was going was, though, when you started this, rather mm -hmm. than saying the words black people, right. you said people of color. 
And I was going to stop you right there and go, wait a second. How are you going to start the is this racist segment with using the words people of color? I'm not because asking you to me, hold okay. on. I'm not asking you to replace people of color with African American. Right. I'm asking you to replace people of color with black people. Okay. Because well, my first question was, what color are you referring to when you say people of color? Because there are very dark brown people that also fall into the same category. That's right. That's why I said people of color. Right. No, I get it. But dude. I've heard black people use that phrase to refer to themselves as well as people of color. <laughs> I get it, dude. But you understand my my, my curiosity. Mm-hmm. We're gonna. You can't start the segment like that. Okay. So that's the first pick. Okay. The, the second pick, and not really pick, but a factoid right. is that there is a reason that not only the special forces, but I'm going to use them because it's way more dramatic to talk about. Right. There is a reason that the special forces want want to paint their faces, hands, and any other piece of them that is standing out, including all of their emblems, the flag, the reason that the flag on special forces outfits are muted mm-hmm. and or black and gray rather than red, white, and blue right. is exactly the thing you're talking about because right. they don't want it to instantly reflect light and give away their, their position. Exactly. That's, that's all you would need to say. The first person that would come up to me and go, wait a second, you're telling me that you'd run down a black man with your taxi? That's not what I said. What I said was that I would probably hit especially a darker black person Mm. way more easily than I would a white dude walking in front of me down the street. Right. Okay. Because the white guy, someone with lighter skin will Mm. stand out more than someone with dark skin. That's Mm. what I'm telling you. Yeah. The problem is that we never have that latency, that wide open window at the end. After someone asks the question, it instantly becomes a firecracker moment. Right, because we just... Nobody wants to be around firecracker moments. More importantly, too few people don't understand how to defend themselves inside a firecracker moment. Very true. Very, very true. It should not instantly become shields up. It should become instantly time for some dialogue. Right. And that's Real dialogue. Missing. Let's yes. get past this crap and actually talk that's about this. That's what's missing. That's what's missing. Yeah. What I also love, too, is that you're... This is what I love about this show and why I love to participate in it is that I love the direction your brain takes that mine is obviously not going. (laughs) Which is what? Yeah. Well, the sample is African-American. I didn't didn't even think of that because that that whole – the whole African-American thing, that went by me years ago. I've never used it and it's because of my involvement with the deaf community. Mm. Yes, I said deaf community. I didn't say hearing impaired community. Thank you so much. Uh, There was a guy on Facebook that I – I could not believe that, of all people, he's the one to challenge me on that. And I realize it's because most people don't know that my wife is deaf. Right. Most people don't know that I am hard of hearing. Uh So I fall squarely into the deaf and hard of hearing community. Amazing that. Yeah. Okay. So this guy wants to say, wait a minute, don't you mean the... And it was it was not hearing challenged, but it was something awkward like that. Exactly. I thought we weren't supposed to say deaf. No. In fact, not only can you say deaf, you can say capital D deaf or you can say just deaf d-e-a-f uh, right and the capital d deaf is yeah what is tra- the difference traditionally that's referring to someone that is either congenitally deaf inside of their family run or someone that has been deaf since birth wow that's in the weeds i never even of, thought of that of course it is okay in other words are you deaf like uh, like an insult would be small d no, no, no. The the so the sample was the sample would be tomorrow you become deaf you are D E A F small D right okay capital D's are set for people that were born deaf or have congenital deafness inside of their family oh. because oddly enough there are 
capital D deaf families that only want to marry inside of capital D deaf families. How about really? that? Yes, wow. absolutely. Absolutely. It would. Is it, it just because it's easier because there's that... Uh... It's because they want to. Oh. It, it, it's very much like... I it, got a question for you. I yeah. got a question for you. I've been, yeah. actually, actually been, I've been thinking about this. This is okay. one of those hmm moments that I thought of, and I've never had anyone answer this for me. When I read something to myself, mm-hmm. I hear either my voice in my head, or if I know what the person sounds like, I hear their voice in my head. What is somebody? What goes on in the brain of someone who's deaf who's never heard a sound? Do you just see the words appear in front of your eyes? If they don't have a context to have a voice associated with it, I would assume yes. Huh. That that would be a question for a capital D deaf person. Okay. There's a series of people. In fact, I'll I'll Ask throw that your question wife, to a I would love to know. Sure. Sure, I'll do that. Anyway, okay. th- th- that's uh, there's your three or four different samples of where my brain goes that yours doesn't, and it makes reason makes it a better makes show. Makes a show, yeah. Makes it a better show. Makes a show, yeah. And and really, I, I think that's where we come to the call to the audience. We want to know what you guys think. Because at this point, I really do want to know. And also, I do want to know from black people. Please call us. Tell us what you think. Black people. Uh, what are these? Is oh, are these the people <laughs> of color or the Afro American? The Black people, period. Okay, gotcha. Okay, now, Good. Yeah, we're, Good. We're, we're on that. Okay. Off people of color. I didn't realize that, that was that weird. But <laughs> well, I did. Anyway. No, and I'm telling you, I think that's in the same category well, the reason as why I said bla- the reason why I said people of color is I didn't want black people to just say, oh, you're just singling this out. It's like, no, dude, if there's a Mexican in the road and he's dark, I can't see him. That's right. why I said, that's really why I said people of color. I wasn't sure. trying to be politically correct. I was trying well, to make sure that I got everybody that was dark skinned in that. I, I, again, I, the, the reason I mentioned it is because people of color is the one that gets me for when you want to refer to black people. Hmm. Can we just say black people? And if you are referring to people with darker complexions, mm-hmm. well, guess what? I just referred to them. Hmm. So meeting a very dark complected Indian dude. Yeah. Dude, it's dark. I'm telling you, man. I've had many Indians that were way darker than black people. If if I'm walking down the street and a dark-complected Indian dude happens to also be walking down the street with his eyes closed, we got a problem. Uh Somebody's going to get run down. It ain't going to be me. Yep. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Great. We're on the same page. Okay. I want to explain just exactly what it is that for this episode, I just want to take the time, since we're just starting out, I want people to know what it is that the show is about these are the tenets of wade sense i took time and i wrote down six points of what it is that we're trying to do and the very first one the one that is really the genesis in my mind of the show is this every problem has a solution just sometimes the solution is uglier than the problem and you must find the courage to implement it anyway that is what wade sense is all about Number two, if something is morally defensible in your house, then it's just as defensible in your country. Interesting. Very simply put, like an example that I would use with the whole thing right now with illegal immigration. How many people would have to enter your house without your permission before you decided, that's enough, you need to go? Zero. Right, exactly. Zero. Everybody's going to say that. There's no one who's going to say, come on in, crash on my couch, the, the refrigerator's open, I'm going to work. Unfortunately, there are. There are some. There are. And the sad you, thing you is- You and I met one this evening. We we're not going to name him or who uh, he is, but okay, right. we met him tonight, and okay. he is one that- okay. uh, Well, I hope I hope that he's a nice guy, and I hope it never comes back and bites him in the ass. Agreed. Agreed but for totally. the most part, it's it, anything that you can defend in your house, you can just as easily defend in your country, or you should. And in this instance, I'll use um, something that's in the news right now, the wall. If you think that the wall is a bad idea, then leave your door unlocked then leave your door unlocked mm-hmm. because a door essentially is a wall. Once you shut that door and lock it, that's a wall. 
Okay, that becomes part of your wall. If you can defend the use of a door in your house, then a wall in your country makes just as much sense to keep out those people that weren't invited in. Interesting. I, I look forward to finding someone that would defend that because I know that there are. Defend or attack? Both. Both. Oh, well, of course. Yeah, because there are those that think. And my argument with that is, my, or my retort to that is, is there are 67 countries around the world that have some type of a wall on their border, including Mexico. Mexico has one hellacious wall fence down on their southern border. So how in God's name can they come at us and say that it's wrong that we have a wall when basically their real objection is is that, hey, you're stopping our people from coming over. You know, well, more when, importantly, when their they own don't... policy, when their own policy, if you ever actually look at Mexico's immigration policy, it is so draconian that really all we would need to do is just mirror theirs and all objections would immediately go away. But that's not what it's about. The wall is about stopping what's going on down on the southern border right now with the Mexican cartel. It is a war zone down there. All you need to do is talk to anybody who lives on that border mm -hmm. and listen to the stories that they're going to tell you. Mm -hmm. Number three is any type of confrontation, ideological or otherwise, always make the other guy prove that you are what he charges you as. So if someone says that, if someone were to say to me they're a racist, my immediate response to them is going to be, exactly how exactly am I a racist? Because I'll bet something. I'll bet I can prove that you're an idiot faster than you can prove I'm a racist. So, a name, so instant name calling is the fix then? No, because the point is this, is that people, you will find this, especially in this day and age that we live in, people have such unconscious knee-jerk reactions to what they believe that society wants them to react to. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'll give you a perfect example. If I say that I am for traditional values and that I'm Christian, people, some people automatically assume that I hate homosexuals, which is ludicrous. I have a gay daughter that when she decides to step down that aisle, I will gladly, with tears in my eyes, give her away to my future daughter-in-law. You can hold two opposing thoughts in your head, but in society as it stands today, a lot of people seem to think that you can't. If you think this way, then you must automatically feel that way. And there's no logic involved. It's just all emotionally driven. Their emotions are driving them to react the way that they think society wants them to react. And once you find out that you are in this confrontation with this person and then you press them to prove their point against you, you find out almost immediately that that was a knee-jerk reaction and they really don't have any ammunition for the fight. They don't have any real reason for why they feel the way that, that they think that they do that's not required when everything can be knee-jerk right exactly so okay. it's it's but, i mean it's a it's, it's a it's a dragon eating its own tail people yeah well people feel like they can't defend themselves which is positively ludicrous i would go i would go even deeper than that i would think that when people think they need to defend themselves they're instantly thinking of the movie 300 where you need to be one of the 300 because the assailants of thousands are coming to get you and you must have gnashed teeth and a giant silver helmet on with yeah. the, the shield and the, the, the ten-foot-long spear dagger thingy. And that's not the case at all. The problem is that that is the conventional thought, especially inside of something that is trying to defend a position. I hate to be thick, but where are you going with this? I'm trying to understand. Well, sure. It, uh, it goes right back to your original definition of social justice warrior. That is exactly what that becomes. Oh. It is, there, is a, there is a point... There is a series of ground that will be defended to the death 
And while I'm doing it, I'm going to gnash my teeth. I'm going to use every single piece of my inner soul to make sure that you're wrong because you are. That's not what we're talking about here, especially when you you should remember that you can have more than one way of thinking. Uh, to begin to steal your sample. Which where, we've forgotten. Right. As a society, we've forgotten. This. Not only forgotten, but if, if there was a series of questions, and I know that I've seen this somewhere, so I'm not, I'm definitely not the originator, mm-hmm. but if there were a series of questions that could be asked to figure out either which way you're leaning or something about you in general that weren't prickly pair questions but would give people an, uh, in general an initial lean of whom you are, mm-hmm. that would be pretty interesting to start. I would love to try and configure... That series of questions, maybe that's something that we can do for the future, too, where yeah. we can just have people take the take the quiz that you can take online, and then we try and figure out and dialogue whom this person is based on what they think. Oh. I think that would be interesting. Wow. Yeah, okay. So basically kind of a form of social profiling. It's the who am I survey, and they would fill, you'd ask them a series of maybe five or eight questions, all of which have a, a definitive contextual lean of what that means without being prickly pear. When I say prickly pear, it's the, Hey, are you gay? That's not, that's a prickly pear question. Okay. Okay. Uh, but finding those series of questions you could ask that would give you at least a, an initial conception of whom the people are. And then at the end of it, you have where they say, and now describe yourself in a paragraph. And then they can say, I am a 47 year old white married with one 14-year-old daughter. I would be very curious to see how fast we arrived at the, uh, Northern at the Wisconsin. right conclusion. Right, right. That well, would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll have to work that through, and we'll, we'll obviously we'll name it, and then we'll, we'll, we'll obviously copyright all of it so we can make it ours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Number four, and, and I don't think that this really, it, it's sad that this is even something that needs to be argued about because I, I think that it's just blatantly beyond discussion and that's this political correctness has no place in a free society period anything that stops the free flow of ideas of thoughts of concept has no place in in a free society because what is it that you're stopping what is it that you're so afraid of i I heard somebody put this forward about a year or so ago and i thought this was the coolest idea Mm -hmm. try and imagine this there is uh some kind of a government decree that basically says for the next six months there's going to be no repercussions for any statement, written or otherwise, that you say that someone might find it offensive. Today, by today's standards. I'm, 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 I'm stumbling over that, but the idea being that we're no longer as society. Because think about it. Think about how many careers you saw take a nosedive towards the ground in eight years of Obama where someone said something and didn't even mean anything. It was an innocuous statement. But it killed their career because political correctness just absolutely run amok. Think about if we could go back to the days when people had thick skin and a sense of humor and didn't immediately try and jump towards the I'm offended button. I would love, just mostly because I know there's going to be somebody that asks about it, but I would love for you to make a listing of three or four of those. And the only reason I would ask you to make a listing is not to use it in some sort of bookmark slash footnote reference, Mm -hmm. but... So that it is a piece of detailed information. So give you the, a perfect example. I'll give you a okay, perfect example. Where Go we are it. today in the workplace, and I've met a number of women that are that are really tired of this being an issue. But someone who says, "You look really nice today," or "You've got a beautiful smile," and someone says, "That's sexual harassment." It's like, 
I wanted to say something nice. If she would have said I had a nice tie on, I'd have said thank you. Right. That's a contextual argument, though. So here, here's the sample. My, you've got a great smile. You've got a great smile. Yeah, okay. okay. Well, you can say creepy. So, of course you can say it creepy, but is right. that ever going to be brought up? No. What will instantly be brought up is that that was sexual harassment, and you ask them, well, why? And you go, because I thought so. And the answer is, you go away, you lose your job. Right. So I, mean, I, I agree with you. And but, that it's gotten it's, to, but it's gotten to the point now oh, where... Oh, it, it is know, absolutely out of control. I know you saw the story where it was like the second or third grader hugged a little girl. No, I think they were in friggin' first or kindergarten, and uh, the, the, the little boy hugged the little girl, and they hauled him away in handcuffs for sexual harassment. That's a real story that happened in this country. Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's I, just as ridiculous as the kid that chewed his Pop-Tart into a gun and they called the cops on him. I mean, it's gotten ridiculous in yeah. our society. Political the, correctness is just getting in the way. All of the items are something that should definitely be found at a presence we'll make online, too. That way, when we refer to things like this, mm-hmm. we can actually go ahead and link them and share them with the audience. Oh, okay. I think that might be a, that might be the good... Oh, I'd love to hear... The, yeah, guys, we would love to hear what it is that you think has gotten yeah. so out of whack. That'd be a good Oedipus for something like a, a Facebook group or something that we can start up. That, that's, yeah. I like that a lot. I love that idea. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. Two more. Five. Mm-hmm. You can have excuses or you can have results. You cannot do both. I believe I, this. I, I know that you love and revel in this. But as you have mu- a problem. What is it? Oh, hold on. As much as I love to revel in, it's not what you preach. It's what you tolerate. I know. No, I I'm love still that. trying to understand that. I am still, for some reason, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I don't know why. Okay. And this isn't the place to debate that. But okay. it, it's the same concept where I hold that as something incredibly bold that is to be taken not lightly at all, but always heated. Mm-hmm. And you do the same thing with the excuses right, and or results. results. Yeah. And, and somewhere in there, there's an intelligent answer backwards, and I haven't found it yet. It's Oh, yeah, it's I want to like, know what it is, because to, to yeah. me, this is just so yeah. utterly straightforward. In my own life, if I'm not, if something is not happening and I'm in the way and I'm making excuses, then I'm not getting the results. It's that simple. It is that simple. Just boil it down, people. Boil boil it down I'm gonna, in your day to day lives when, I'm gonna put when, that when in something my, isn't happening. I'm going to put that in my my simmer mode, and I'll I'll come up with something. Oh, I hope a, you do because I am dying to know what it okay. is. Okay, and, and I'm I'm absolutely certain that someone in the audience can also chime in about what they think that means to them or why it doesn't work. But that that's cool. Okay, now, last okay. one, number six, and this is essentially you could look at this as being our mission statement. We will constantly endeavor to create a world in where political correctness and irrational fear have no place. This is the Wade Sense podcast. Interesting. The whole world thing has always bothered me. You're the it, one who came up with it. Right, but th- th- this is the thing about the whole world thing. It reminds me of, um, there's a guy, there's a guy, his name is Glenn. And Glenn came up with a website. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. It was something like Super Perfect World something. I, I don't actually remember the domain name. All right, all right. And I wouldn't want to drive you guys there anyway. All right. But his goal was to, you know, make, Make the place a, a, a better, a super place to live in that's perfect. And in general, I would agree with you. Until you start telling me that it needs to be some sort of what people think Star Trek is supposed to mean to people. Which means, hey man, everyone gets along. There is no war. There is no money. Nothing goes bad here and everyone gets along with everybody and everything is perfect. Ridiculous ideas. Okay. Not only is it a ridiculous idea, I want to see the person that's going to watch 43 minutes of television that is nothing happening. 
Except everybody getting along. Right. That's boring. You have to have uh, there. There has antagonist. to be something. There. There has to be diversity of some kind. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be completely up in the air, ass over tea kettle ridiculum, which I don't like in regard to television. But there has to be some drama. There has to be ebbs and tides inside of storytelling. And if you can't have that because everybody's getting along, nobody's going to want to be there. Nobody. There is no such thing. Mm. And that's what I always felt like telling this guy. Unfortunately, he was a customer of mine. And right. I'm, you know, sure, we'll help you make the website. No problem. Blah. Yeah, yeah. What it also turned out to be was a collection of where he's going to become the reverend. And the reverend's going to start the church of super perfect, whatever it's called. Yeah, okay. Okay, and that's where you really start getting my girdle up. Because, mm. okay, that's fine. I'll tell you what. I'm going to make the church of Star Trek. <laughs> I'm sure there already is one. (laughs) There's not. There's not. Every single week, we are going to gather for three hours. We're going to watch 43 minutes times three of the episodes. Uh In the breaks, we're going to have snacks. At the end of each episode, we're going to gather together for 20 minutes, talk about it all. And it'll be done every single Sunday from now until I'm dead. Okay. This is the cool part. I know that there are tons of Star Trek fans that don't like to go to church, don't want to have anything to do with church. Mm-hmm. But you tell them, hey, man, want to watch the kick ass episodes three at a time of Star Trek? Who's not coming to that church? Yeah. I won't have any problem fundraising. No. Now, is that okay? Because if it is, then I'm okay with Super Perfect World Guy. But if it's not, why isn't it? That's that whole flip test. If it can work for them... Why can it not work for me? And if it doesn't work for me, then why does it work for them? And th- that doesn't happen nearly enough. That's that's where I would like to take that. Again, I know you said I, I, I apparently wrote the, the sentence. Yeah, you, you did. And that's I was awesome. trying. To, I was trying to come up with a definition, and then you said create a, a world in where political correctness and irrational fear have no place. You said it, and I went with it because I I still think that. In, and I in like this. it. Not, I, I not, like it. I okay, absolutely wait. like it. I just, I know that that, again, people, anytime you say, I wait, 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 live in a hold world. Hold on a second. Where, people, it, it, it's not the world. It's not the world we all live in. It's the world within this program where you uh, can come to a place. It might even be like atmosphere. There's a, there's another word that means atmosphere that that could be We will constantly with. endeavor to create an atmosphere. All right, fine. Atmosphere. People, I'm crossing out. Atmosphere. World, oh, I'm uh, writing atmosphere. Yeah. We'll mold that as well. I'll take that into my machine. Yeah. We'll mold that as well. I just have to be able to read it later, that's all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah, YouTubery. I love me some YouTube. There's always time I'm spending, more often than not, listening to YouTube. Wade, what have you got inside your YouTubery folder today? I have something. I wish I could have found something humorous, but I grabbed this and it just happened in the last day. And it's been running through my mind because it's such an amazing film. It's on PragerU, and it's titled An Arab Muslim in the Israeli Army, the IDF. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how when the Jews came back to what was then Palestine and how a lot of his family who had been like for generations and generations there, they were Bedouins. As people are Bedouins, how a lot of them left. But he said that the Jews came there and he said, please stay and help us rebuild our country. And a lot of his family did. And they prospered. And he couldn't understand why it was that there were actually men from his village that were joining the IDF because he was Muslim. Mm -hmm. And he uh, had an instance where... I don't remember what it was. Go and watch the the video. It, It was his for lack of a better way of putting it, come to Jesus moment when he saw that this is my country. 
and I will defend my country. Wouldn't that be coming to Muhammad moment? Yeah, come to Muhammad moment. Yeah, okay. okay. Just checking. <laughs> it was it was just it was really wild hearing that because you, you never ever because he said in our country we are free. He said there are Muslims and Jews and Christians that are in Israel. You can go to the Gaza Strip. There's no Christians. There's no Jews. It's just Muslims. He said, this is the only place in the Middle East where we are free. And that was why, because at the time he said the base that he went to, the IDF base that he went to, he was the only Muslim out of like 600 some guys, but they became a part of a team. And it's just, it really, it really reached me. It's like, if they can be in the middle of the storm, if he can grow up in the middle of the storm and see what it is that the Israelis are trying to do, what they're up against. Because here's the thing, and he pointed this out, that if you're Israeli, you don't have a choice. You must serve in the, in the forces. Muslims didn't have to. He went and did it on his own. And it just, it really spoke to me. So that's my, that's my YouTube moment. Cool. We'll link that up inside the show notes for this episode, too. Okay. My YouTuber this episode, there were so many options, mostly because I get into YouTube when I need to just be listening to stuff, working on other projects. And so, I don't know, there's probably six or seven different YouTubery moments a day. <laughs> but I, So I have to pick. And yeah. so if you're going to make me It's pick, hard to pick. If you're going to make me pick, my pick is going to be a video I watched. I got onto uh, Tested. Are you familiar with Tested? No. Familiar with the concept of Mythbusters? I'm going to smack you if you even say it. What? Oh, okay. You're not going to. Are you, Who do I look like? Who do I look like? Picture me with a freaking black beanie. Oh, it's beret. not a beanie. It's a beret. Beret, beret, okay. beret. All right. Sure. I get it. Yeah. All right. So anyway. So yes, Mythbusters. I love the show, actually. Okay. All right. So. Great show. All right. So Mythbusters. I'm surprised that you're not familiar with Tested. In fact, I think I'd actually mention it to you. So I'm you glad probably, you paid attention to me. I think you did I forgot. All right. So it's Tested. Me. That's all right. <laughs> tested is essentially the online not continuation of Jamie and Adam's adventures inside of Mythbusters. It's not that at all. Oh, all right. It does contain a lot of Adam and Jamie and their new entourage doing all kinds of cool things that are them making things or going to conventions or there's so much stuff that I goes on that there. Show. My dad would loved that show. I I mean seriously, if if you if you have to pay attention you should not be doing anything else but paying attention to it. Yeah. I've gotten to the point where I can focus in or key in on the voices and listen to what's going on where really you should be watching every single episode because there's that much cool stuff going on. Yeah. Anyway, so I had that on and I now realize why Adam is and was the mouth ham slash front end of everything Mythbusters. Why? It's not because Jamie is stupid. He's not. No. It's he's not quieter. Be- no, Jamie is not quieter. He okay. just happens to not speak as much as, as Adam. Hmm. But when you get him going, he is solely uninteresting. Really? Like, yes. Like, he'll be... Like, he's just that cut and dried? Is it boring? Uh, you have to watch. Okay. You have to watch. It, it's too hard to describe, and I can't approximate him because... I think I know what you're talking about. Because, frankly, there's not enough video of him that where he's just, like, the gas throttle is out, and he's going, and you just wait... And it is not something I would like to just sit in front of regularly. So hmm. when you when you don't see a lot of Jamie, but you see all kinds of Adam and Adam and his guests and blah, you now understand why you see that after you watch this video. Gotcha. So we'll link up that video. Uh, and again, that's not to that's not to say that what he was saying is boring or stupid or anything else. How he says it. it it's and it's not just how he says it though. It's it's the framework of 
storytelling, science, and, and a predilection to get into very set speaking habits. Those three or four things are all mixed into the, the cauldron of Jamie speak. Mm-hmm. And it's why I now understand why he's not in front of a microphone on, on the speaker circuit, like so much okay. as, as, as Adam is anyway, you, you all can make the call. We'll link that up inside the show notes for this episode as well. You can find that all over at wadesense.com. You can also search Wade sense, Jamie Heineman or Wade sense Mythbusters. I could not remember his name until you said it. Yeah. Jamie Heineman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you remember Adam's last name? No. Really? No. Well, I'm going to let that dangle out there because Fine. I'm not going to tell you. All right. <laughs> now, now I remember to go look at my own. Is the you'll question. never, you'll never believe how savage his last name is. It's just really crazy. Oh, Wiener. Yeah, it yeah. is Adam Wiener. Wiener that's Nation. exactly it. Yeah, I heard someone call him Wiener Nation. <laughs> that, that's exactly it. Actually, that's not exactly it. You're going to have to go look now. Uh-uh. You're also going to kick yourself after you figure out what his last name is. Everybody else that's listening that knows his name is laughing at you right now. Just to, just to. Okay, well, I'm used to people laughing. Okay, so that's nope, fine. that's no problem. Anyway, check that out over at the website again. That's wadesense.com. Click okay. uh, anywhere on inside of the search bar inside of there. Type in Wade Sense and MythBusters, and you'll come up inside the show notes. The links to all these videos and more are going to be right there for you. Wisdom of the ages. This is from. Was actually I've got two of them. The first one that came across was. When hope is taken from a people, moral degeneration follows swiftly thereafter. Mm -hmm. That's from Pearl S. Buck in a letter she wrote to the New York Times on November 15th, 1941. Mm -hmm. I think that you can look at that and look around at our society today and see that uh, that's pretty much holding true, wouldn't you? No, but continue. Okay. That's That's just me being the other brain, so go ahead. Just being the other brain, okay. I don't see that our people, until recently, well, at least half of us anyway, are really happy. The other half are now even more dejected. But moral degeneration, I mean, what is it that people today, at least the last couple generations, really find inspirational? It, it seems like it's just, it's it's all money and power and things. There's There's nothing beautiful to move towards so i i think that uh, i think that she was right and that was november 15th 1941 i'd be really curious to see what it was that she was referring to the other one is from confucius when we see men of worth we should think of equaling them when we meet men of a contrary character we should turn inward and examine ourselves that was Confucius, and he lived in 551 B.C. to 479 B.C. I had said when we started the segment that I was going to go as far back as I could and find pearls of wisdom anywhere that I could. Mm-hmm. It bothers me that, in, that, that people take Confucius and get confused from it because, like this anyway, this to me seems very straightforward. And I, I, I can't not look at this and not see that, yeah, he was right. Confucius is a very interesting sample. I would put him also in the same category as I put the Bible, though, which is you can extract whatever you want from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like in every case. Mm-hmm. Without any written samples, I can't give you one because I don't know all the scripture slash quotes and blah yeah, off the top of my head. Right. But I know lots of people that do. Mm-hmm. And I know lots of people that evoke it or remind me about pieces, parts of it, blah. I get right. it. I totally get it. But the, the whole point of it is that not only can it be extracted and extrapolated onto just about anything, 
you have to remember that it's also gone through how many different interpretations, how many different people interpreting it, how many different written iterations before it was ever collected into something formal that was then put through a printing press, how many languages. I think the best sample I can think of is I can tell you guys the extraordinary story that is given to somebody by me that is capital D deaf and I'm interpreting their extraordinary American sign language based story that they are telling me based on the skill sets and information and detail I have in my brain. Right. Okay. But that's my interpretation of it. Right. And I can write that stuff down and now you can go, Oh, well, John capital D deaf guy said, blah, 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 because it's written and it says so right here. Mm hmm but it's based on Mike's interpretation of what he took from him and wrote down. Okay. And so that, that whole interpretation circle is what I always tell people when you, when you hear something and it sounds instantly, well, this is exactly what that means. I would tell you to put your challenge hat on and it doesn't mean that you don't have to respect it. It doesn't mean that it's crap. It means that you must interpret it. Okay. Well, the whole idea of wisdom of the ages is that we find things from way back in the depths of time and examine it in the light of modern day and right. see if that, what they were trying to convey then still holds true today. Right. right. And the only reason I bring that up is again, that Confucius is one of my hallmarks for going back to go, okay, what if that's not what he meant? What else oh. might he have meant? Because that, that is what's missing. Well, how, what, well, what different could you read from this than that though? I, I don't I know. Mean, let, me, just, let me read it again. When sure. we see men of worth, we should think of equaling them. When we meet men of a contrary character, we should turn inward and examine ourselves. Right, but let's say you don't want to be as good as Donald Trump, or you don't want to be as good as Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. So, actually, there's a great sample. Okay, so Tony Robbins is on some sort of mega speaking engagement circuit that he will never be done with until he's dead. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to be Tony Robbins. No. So... What is it, why, why wouldn't you want to be him? Uh, it, it's... He has become a caricature of a person I think he wanted to be uh, where I don't I don't okay. ever want to attain. In other words, now go, it's the Tony Robbins shtick. It's not a it's not a real guy saying this is what I found. Right. This works. Right. The, the instant you become the person where they go, you could be the next Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the next Tony Robbins. OK. Well, everybody's and, goals are different. Everybody's everybody's right. desire in life is different. Right. But the foundation I'm trying to bring in here is that that is wide open to interpretation based on what we're talking about. Okay, it is and wide that, open. That, so, that's what I'm. That's what I'm. That's what I was referring right. to inside of. So it's wide open for interpretation. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, in the light of wisdom of the ages, in the criteria of the segment, it still holds true today as it did. However many, how long? How long ago is that? What is that? That's two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah about twenty five hundred years ago. Okay. Okay. So twenty five hundred years ago, he said this about people, about character. And in my way of thinking, it still holds just as true today. And that's the whole idea of the segment of Wisdom of the Ages is finding stuff and making and seeing that it's still usable today. Agreed. Agreed. Mine, mine is uh, wonderfully shoehorned into the fun of Star Trek, as it always will be <laughs> if ahead. I have my druthers. <laughs> I'll see if I can figure. Let's Question. See. Hey, wait a second. Did you ever get out to Vegas when they yeah. had? You yeah, saw? The, yeah. You suck. Yeah, it was. Oh, I wanted, was it? Was it? Was it hokey? No, not at all. They did a really good not, job. They did a fantastic job. It's not there it, anymore, is it? No, it's not. Damn. It's not. Some of that stuff is still floating around where you can get the Blows. super smelly. I wanted to cling be, on. I wanted to be on Deep Space Nine. Uh, okay. It was very cool. It was very cool. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, uh, I want everyone to close their eyes and try and figure out who 
this was said by in the cone of Star Trek. I think it's my adventure, my trip, my journey, and I guess my attitude is, let the chips fall where they may. Captain Kirk? That is not Captain Kirk. Second guess. My first was Data. It is not Brent Spiner who played Data. Okay. Who then? I give up. This is Leonard Nimoy. Oh, and I could hear him saying it too. And it is a quote. This quote is from a time when someone challenged him about his book, I Am Not Spock. Ah, okay. And this was his retort. I mean, it was very simple. Read it again. I like that. Sure, sure. I think it's my adventure, my trip, my journey. And I guess my attitude is, let the chips fall where they may. And I love that, Mm -hmm. mostly because everybody puts... Spock and, as a matter of course, Leonard Nimoy into the cone of, oh, so he's super Mr. Analytical Man and never has any emotions except when he experiences Ponfar and he. All I would of, like to have met him. I met him. I you got met his, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, I met him. I got his autograph, and I heard, I heard him speak four or five different times at different conventions. Okay, and he is extraordinary. It was there is also a new documentary done by his son. Adam, that is extraordinary, that will link up in the website as well. Okay. It is required watching. If you have any interest at all in humanity, not just Star Trek, it's something that you really do need to watch because it gives context and detail, but more importantly, the meaning of what is your adventure and are you going to let the chips fall where they may or are you going to let the chips make an obstacle course inside of your life? And I, I really... I, I I so appreciate him, especially this this documentary. It really does help propel the concept of nobody is perfect. It doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter how large a stage or even world you see someone on. They are not perfect. Mm-hmm. And the extraordinary detail that Adam puts in there about his father, more importantly about himself and his feelings towards his father, that I, I, I eat that stuff up with a biscuit because mm-hmm. it really does give you some perspective mm-hmm. that you simply can't get anywhere else. You can't, you can't go somewhere else, interact with somebody that was actually their father and have you tell them exactly what he thought and what he said when. Yeah. And that's what's so extraordinary about the, the not just the... I would get into the sun, but then also about too. Leonard Nimoy. It, it's it's too. extraordinary. Yeah. It's also going to provide you a bunch of really great context of stuff that you did not know at all about Leonard Nimoy. And I am a huge Star Trek fan. So if you're educating the huge Star Trek fan on any character that is as staple as Spock, you really are giving something special. And it's all available online. We'll link to it inside the show notes at wadesense.com. Folks, I hope that you have enjoyed this show as much as we have putting it together. And in closing, all I would like to say is this. You can make excuses or you can have results, but you cannot do both. My name is Wade B. Olson, and this is Wade Sense.
Number two, if something is morally defensible in the microcosm, then it is just as defensible in the macro. In other words... Define microcosm. Microcosm is your house. Okay. If, if so what, why not if, say my house? Huh? Why not say my house? Because I like how it lo- reads when I said micro I, and macro. I, I totally understand that, but you'll lose the audience. <laughs> if so something, you, Even to me, dude, you say the word microcosm, uh-huh. I start looking around for little silver balls that are going to kill me <laughs> and shit. Okay. And, no. I've got, and I've got a really good vocabulary. I love hearing stuff like that, but if you were to ask me to define microcosm, I would say uh, uh, an area of effect that is small. Am I close? I don't even know. Okay. 